0: Hey, welcome to the Kelly Cotrera podcast for Monday, August 31st, the last day of the month. Coming up on the podcast, the pros and cons of the provincial government's proposed rent freeze. And we'll talk with Dave Perry, our 640 Toronto law enforcement analyst, to get an understanding of what went down in Little Jamaica over the weekend. On Friday, you may have heard the Ontario PC government announced plans to freeze rent through 2021. They're promising to introduce relevant legislation in the fall. And here to talk about it, Municipal Affairs Minister Steve Clark. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on, Minister.
1: Kelly, thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it.
0: Can you tell us what the broad strokes on the province's rent freeze announcement are?
1: Well, you know, since the very beginning of COVID-19, our government has asked that landlords and tenants come together, be reasonable with each other, There's been incredible cooperation between landlords and tenants and it was really in that spirit that uh, that I announced uh, at the direction of the of the premier that it's our intention to uh, present legislation that if passed would stabilize uh, rents by having a rent freeze for 2021.
0: All right. Well, it begs the question, if you're having if you're seeing a great cooperation between landlords and tenants, why even introduce a provincial rent freeze? Do you need one?
1: well, yeah, we we know that we know that families are continuing to be impacted by COVID-19. We know that uh, that people are are stretched, and we think this is a is a reasonable measure uh, to present before the legislature as part of many other measures that we've uh, we presented as a government. We early on in the pandemic uh, presented a, a package to our municipal partners. Uh, that now is up to five hundred million dollars that many municipalities are using for housing allowances and and rent banks and and we think that uh, that moving forward, uh, a rent freeze uh, would uh, would help given the fact that we know that a second wave is coming.
0: Who will qualify for this rent freeze
1: well it's it's our intention uh, with the legislation to cover the vast majority of tenants both those that are covered uh, by rent control and those that are not. And we've heard from Ontarians that are facing you know, shortages in hours, in, in wages, difficulty finding consistent employment, that by stabilizing and having predictability in rent uh, in 2021 is going to be able to help Ontarians have a little bit of extra money in their pocket and, and help us lead in the recovery.
0: How much was the the rent increase uh, going to be that was scheduled for 2021 in most cases?
1: So, so the 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 rent increase is uh, is in legislation. So, under the Residential Tenancies Act, uh, we were to announce in the Gazette on Saturday, which we did, uh, that the 2021 increase based on the inflation formula would be 1.5 percent uh, last year at this time. Uh, the the formula would have set the 2020 rate to be 2.2. So it would have been 1.5% effective um, January 1st. So we're going to take uh, the weeks uh, ahead to consult with both landlords and tenants. We'll present a bill uh, early in the fall in the House that, uh, if passed, would provide that uh, rent freeze. And then we'll continue to work with landlords and tenants uh, and our uh, municipal partners uh, to help people get through this.
0: We're speaking with the uh, Municipal Affairs Minister Steve Clark. What, do you expect any pushback from landlords at all on this?
1: Well, we've heard some concerns from landlords, but, you know, we've, we've put uh, in, a, again, a, a situation where we've had incredible cooperation by the majority of landlords and the majority of tenants. Those that uh, that are continuing to work during the pandemic, we've encouraged people to continue to pay their rent. We know some people are having some challenges especially some of the, the small landlords as well and that's why early on uh, and and we continued to support uh housing allowances we were the first province or territory in canada that signed up for the canada ontario housing benefit which is a portable housing benefit which could help in in private sector uh apartments uh you know we, we had an unbelievable start based on our policies before uh, COVID-19, we were seeing record uh, purpose-built rental construction in our province. In some levels, uh, we, we could go back to uh, levels of construction we hadn't seen since 1992 or 1993. And we've got to continue to work with all partners to uh, to get through this.
0: Some tenant advocates say that this plan will lead to more evictions, that a targeted rent relief program for struggling renters would have been more appropriate during the pandemic. Was a targeted rent program you know relief program ever considered?
1: Well, we asked uh, certainly we asked the federal government uh, whether they would consider doing a cost shared program like they did with the uh, commercial uh, tenant program uh, in, in in the absence of of federal leadership on that file that's that's why we uh, as a cabinet have approved the five hundred million dollars that's gone to our social service providers. Uh, to be able to create housing allowance programs, to be able to create rent banks, many of those communities have helped tenants uh, through these programs, and we'll continue to work with our municipal partners to enhance those rent banks
0: moving forward. Are you considering an eviction freeze?
1: Uh, well, we we early on did do an eviction freeze, and the attorney general uh, put a court. Uh, Uh, order in to provide the 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 freeze that has since been been uh, been lifted by the attorney general we're going to continue to work with groups our our main focus today was to provide certainty uh, for uh renters uh on january 1st of 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 2021 and the rent freeze uh in in our opinion was the best way to do that
0: steve i want to thank you for your time today thank you very much for joining us thanks kelly have a great day you as well. That is Municipal Affairs Minister Steve Clark talking about this uh, legislation that will be introduced in the fall. It's a uh, provincial rent freeze. Cole Weber is a community legal worker and tenant advocate. It, why is this problematic to, to you and other uh, tenant advocates?
2: Given the social crisis that we're facing, this is not meaningful relief for tenants. Here's why. In Ontario there is no rent control on vacant units so this creates a financial incentive for landlords to push out sitting tenants so that they can raise rent on vacant units without limit
0: but how realistic is that actually uh, of happening because um, you know, when you look around right now because of Airbnb being, you know, new rules being put on Airbnb, there are uh, like there are so many rentals available in Toronto. And I would imagine if people if this pandemic puts people farther and farther into a situation where they can't afford things, that landlords are going to have no choice. They're going to have to lower their rents. That's just the way it's going to go. You'd rather have a, a somebody renting your unit than um, them sitting vacant. So how realistic is it that we're going to see mass evictions here?
2: Tens of thousands of tenants in Toronto have not been able to pay rent in full during the COVID crisis. We know that during shutdown alone, landlords filed more than 6,000 eviction applications at the tribunal to evict tenants. So we are staring down at an eviction crisis in the city of Toronto and in less eviction for unpaid rent during the months of the crisis is taken off the table altogether. We're going to see unprecedented levels of homelessness and destitution as a result.
0: Would you have preferred that the government kind of keep this under wraps until they had the legislation in and ready to go so that, uh, you know, tenants would be better served by a rent freeze?
2: No, what we need from the government is for them to prohibit evictions for unpaid rent during the months of the covid crisis and to extend an eviction moratorium during the pandemic
0: how realistic is that i mean this, this pandemic's still going on we could be like years in there are people that have you know purchased uh rental units as uh you know a way to actually um you know that's their income they're they're the average everyday um person that wanted to put put some money aside and and get a, a rental property as an investment. How realistic is it to to ask them not to not to receive any income for that investment, which they still have to pay money for themselves?
2: The reality is is that in Toronto, the majority of rental units are actually owned by large corporate financial interests. So these are companies that have been making money hand over fist for the past decade as rents have risen exponentially in Toronto so these companies are actually in a in a good position to forgive tenants rent during the months of the covid crisis
0: are, the, do you argue that mom, would make them a better corporate citizen and it's and it is this is their responsibility at this point in time
2: yes they should be forgiving rent landlords who are so called mom and pop landlords who you know maybe just renting out their basements if they are in financial trouble they should be taking that up with their mortgage lenders with their banks with the politicians instead of punching down at tenants who've lost really their jobs i mean it seems it seems heavy-handed
0: cole i gotta place. be honest when you say punching down at tenants if i'm a mom pa and i got somebody living in my basement and they're using some of the hydro they're using some of the the other uh, resources that I have to pay for monthly, and they're not giving me any share of it. To me, that seems uh, that seems a little bit egregious.
2: I disagree. I think that the stakes are if they're
0: struggling so as well. Different. It's it's not
2: no. It's not the same thing because uh, a so called mom and pop landlord is not in a position where they're potentially losing their home.
0: Whereas, a how do you know is. if they've got somebody in their basement apartment? You can't know how much they're leveraged.
2: The government has provided programs for mortgage holders to defer mortgage payments. Uh, there have been a number of programs available to, to mortgage holders, none for tenants.
0: But they're ending soon.
2: Absolutely every level of government continues to ignore the fact that literally tens of thousands of tenants have been unable to pay rent in full during this crisis and have offered no concrete support. We are looking at an eviction crisis in the city. And unless eviction for unpaid rent during COVID-19 is taken off the table, homelessness is going to explode in the city.
0: I appreciate your time, Cole. Thank you so much for joining us. All righty no goodbye i don't think cole was very happy with me pushing back i'm sorry but these are the questions i'm sure that other people had that are listening to the program there i know a lot of people that have decided to invest in houses and they are not flush with cash like this is the reality there's a lot of listeners right now that might have invested in rental properties and if you've got somebody spending money on your rental property and they can't afford to pay you yeah you work it out with with the tenant but to say they don't have to pay rent Uh, And they won't be evicted for however long this crisis lasts. It seems slightly unreasonable. All right, let's turn our attention to something else. I think we have Dave Perry on the line. He's our 640 Toronto Law Enforcement Analyst. Dave, uh, you're the CEO of Investigative Solutions Network. And you and I have gone, you know, head to head at certain times. We might not see eye to eye, but we always say goodbye to each other, don't we?
3: I always say hello and goodbye. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And that's what I love about you, Dave. And I like having uh, I like coming at uh, conversations from two different sides. I think you're the most skilled to talk about what happened yesterday uh, or on Saturday. Two men were arrested and uh, Toronto police injured in an altercation. It's now being investigated by the SIU after things basically went south at a rally to promote black owned businesses. Now there is video footage and that seems to be the case. With, um, you know, most stories these days, especially when we're talking about a situation where police have apprehended somebody um, and they are uh, uh, in the midst of 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 dealing with that. Right. So Saturday, um, the video circulating is of Toronto police. I think there's four guy four Toronto police officers, three or four um, pinning down this black man uh, near Eglinton Avenue and Oakwood Avenue. Now, the scene looks pretty intense, but if you. There are many different vantage points of this video, and there's another point in this video where the Toronto police officers, obviously this man's in distress. They call over um, this young woman that is working with a youth group, and she sits down and strokes the man's head, and it's really de-escalating the um, situation on the street. Um, The situation is being investigated by the SIU because one of two men arrested was also injured. They uh, apparently a taser was used on the man during the altercation between uh, him and the officers. Now, this man, nobody knows what set him off, Dave, but um, he was jumping on the hood of a car. And uh, I know that police officers were called in. Apparently, the report is 50 officers showed up. How unusual is it that 50 officers would show up to a scene of an altercation? Do they send more because this is the site of a demonstration? Can you maybe give us some insight into this?
3: Yes, for sure. I think there were a couple of things that uh, led to that decision to get more officers there. First of all, the officers on scene were, had their hands full just with this one and eventually two people that were causing all the problems. And because it's a protest, um, th- the big unknown is how many people are going to jump in in support of uh, the people that are being arrested. And we've all seen way too many videos lately how that can quickly escalate and get completely out of control. So... The officers that were sent there were, were there to obviously make sure that the public was safe. But I think their their number one priority was to make sure that their fellow officers who were in quite a battle with, uh, with one and then two people were, were going to be safe and go home safe.
0: Yeah, the video is really confusing. You know, the the man that was on the car seems quite erratic, and people felt there was a mental health uh, component um, at the heart of his behavior. Uh, And then there was another guy that came in and started striking that guy in front of the police. They had to tackle him as well. I guess these are the two men that were arrested. It looks extremely chaotic. There are people that were bystanders saying, yes, the police seem to handle things well. Other people took um video footage that makes it sound like the cops were being or makes it look as though the cops were being aggressive but you know uh that young woman from that youth led group that they asked to you know come over and sit beside him uh and, you know the the man that was down um being um apprehended by police mm-hmm. does this does this show a shift in in police behavior when it comes to dealing with the different communities and and communities at risk that uh they would call in someone from the community that would calm this man down
3: it's not necessarily a shift but at least it got captured this time that that's actually what we do if there's somebody around that can assist and and it doesn't put them in harm's way and there's the big difference right if if this guy was holding a weapon or if, you know he was holding the police at bay and all of these kinds of things still a very violent situation they 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 couldn't and they wouldn't have asked that woman to come in, but they obviously felt that it was they had him under control it was safe enough to do so, and they brought her in she's my hero of the day. I try and pick a hero mm-hmm. of the day every day of the week, and uh, I thought that was very kind and very sweet, and I even liked the way that she described uh, her interactions, which which was so appropriate. The thing is, and it's kind of sad to say it, I actually expected to see a lot worse. I expected to see a lot of people surrounding the officers and uh, and a lot more cameras and a lot more people inciting the crowd. And, and it just didn't happen. And I'm very happy to say that it didn't happen. And that speaks volumes for Toronto as compared to so many of the uh, American cities that we're watching with continued problems.
0: We have a, a clip of your hero of the day. It's the woman you're talking about, and she worked with the youth group. Here's what she had to say. He didn't want
2: any non-black people touching him um, because he just felt uncomfortable. This incident is twisting the narrative and making it completely different from what it was.
0: Just Jamila Reeves, she's from the youth-led group called Reclaim Rebuild Eglinton West. And uh, she's talking about how this. the police had this man subdued. And it seemed, you know, like they were letting Jamila calm him down. And then they called in the paramedics. And then that's when things went south because he didn't, his trigger point was uh, he didn't want anybody that was Caucasian touching him. And uh, apparently the paramedics then uh, went in to see how he was doing. And and that's when he was set off again.
3: Right. Yeah. So that, that tells you that it's one of two things he's got. An extreme race issue or he's got some mental health issues or perhaps a combination of both and you know from the behavior you you would you would suspect and you never want to speculate too much in this that there was a mental health issue certainly a component of his behavior was was due to that and you know what you have to look at too kelly is um i I always try and get people to picture it from a, a different lens so you're driving with your family you're in your car, and suddenly there's a man on top of your vehicle violently stomping the hood of your car and perhaps your windshield. Mm. What would you want the police to do? <laughs> and I think the simple answer is stop him can, get get this guy off my car yeah and, arrest him and, and and charge him for what he just did to my vehicle and and protect my family and and that's what they did and you know it's uh, it's unfortunate that they had to tase him, but he I saw the punch he punched a female officer in the face and swinging wildly at other police officers. A bunch of officers were injured. So he obviously uh, was completely out of control and had to be taken into control. And tasers are still a really good uh, option for less than lethal force. And even though from time to time it's rare when somebody gets tasered that they die as a result of being tasered, it's a very good tool for the police officers to use. And in this case, it it worked perfectly.
0: none of those police officers were equipped with body cams, I I bet, at that that time, unfortunately, because I think there's only two officers right now.
3: Yeah, it's true. Um, not sure what the body cams would have done. We got pretty good video from the public, um, everything that happened. And for, for me personally, I, I looked, I watched the video and I had no issues with anything mm. that happened there in terms of the officer's conduct. I thought they did exactly what they had to do. They were duty-bound to do and they used a minimal amount of force on the guy. They showed compassion by having this young lady come over and speak to him. And, you know, so he had his issues. And when the, the paramedics show up to try and treat him, he... He has, you know, sort of a second issue and, and that's unfortunate, but that's just that's the, the whole nature of dealing with people who either are either just very hostile or suffering from a mental health crisis when you're dealing with them, even though you're there to try and help. Sometimes it escalates quickly and, and to a point where it becomes almost impossible to manage it uh, other than using force, using a taser or, or God forbid, a lethal force in some cases to, to protect yourself and to get it under control.
0: David, I want to thank you for your time. Always good having you on the show.
3: Should I say goodbye?
0: Absolutely.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. I'm going to say goodbye and have a great
0: day. You as well, Dave. 640 Toronto Law Enforcement Analyst Dave Perry. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Don't forget you can catch us live every weekday on Global News Radio 640 Toronto between nine and noon. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon.